And I've just been grinding, grinding, grinding for the past 12 years, right? And I'm trying to build more of a lifestyle business. That's kind of the direction of my brand and kind of, kind of what I've always believed in, but I'm in a position to finally do that. So essentially, once I got a taste of that easier money and I had so much equity and, and wealth on the rental side, I thought like, let's start enjoying life finally, right? I've been grinding for so long. Let's sell some of this real estate and let's get some of that boring cash flow coming in so I can live my life so I can travel the world even more, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of what, how it all started. And then just snowball from there. Welcome to the On Fire Podcast, episode 36. With your hosts, Matt and Kellen. In the On Fire Podcast, we discuss financial independence, real estate investing, frugality, minimalism, and retiring early. But before we jump into today's episode, I want to talk to you guys about leaving us a five-star rating and a written review, just like Jacob did on iTunes. So he left us a written review of my favorite podcast. I never actually review anything as I'm too busy to actually care doing it, but this podcast deserves it. I've been listening to many different kinds of podcasts regarding investing, self-improvement, real estate, financial independence, and many of them seem to have that more professionally made feel, but the information, the stories, and the value they bring are nothing compared to the On Fire podcast podcast. Keep it up and please more episodes. Really appreciate that, Jacob. And hey, we are making more episodes now. So guys, please go over, leave us a written review and a five-star rating. So today's episode is with Matt Pichet. And we've had Matt Pichet back on. He was a guest back in March of 2018. And a lot has changed in three years, including Matt's goals. Matt's a YouTuber, a big-time real estate investor, real estate agent, and mentor to people looking to build financial independence with a focus on building a lifestyle business. Absolutely. I've known Matt for a long time. It's really been a lot of fun seeing him just kind of evolve over the last five years. We originally got together, I think, back in 2016 or 2017 for a YouTube collab. And it's just been amazing to see him grow his real estate empire over these last five years. But enough chatting. Let's hear a quick word from our sponsors and then dive into the interview. This episode is sponsored by the Findlay Mortgage Team. The Findlay Team was born out of the idea that through exceptional service and expert advice, they can create a world of more accessible capital for their clients. As real estate capital advisors, their mission is to assist investors in strategically scaling their portfolios. They understand the struggle that investors face and how difficult it can be to scale once the banks say no. Their experts find alternative solutions by leveraging institutional and private capital stacks, strong networks, and competitive products, allowing them to offer an industry-leading service that is unparalleled in the Canadian real estate market. All right. So today's guest, we have Matt Pichet. And Matt is many things. He's a YouTuber, social media personality, real estate investor, real estate agent, uh, mentor to people looking to build financial independence. You know, But he's also got a big focus on building a lifestyle business so you can live your best life and not just uh, you know constantly work on your business. So welcome to the show, Matt. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Good to be back. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's great to have you back, Matt. And so I'm sure we'll dive into this more later, but do you mind summarizing for us what's the last year looked like for you? Yeah, so it kind of flipped from our last talk we had. So now I'm really focused on selling a lot of my buy and hold real estate and really focusing on building the flipping business and the wholesaling business, like the gathering of motivated seller leads, essentially, just to grow the active portion of our business, the active income side. So kind of a total 180 from before, where I was focused solely on building the wealth side, the long-term rental side. Now we're just like selling everything, basically. <laughs> and well, that's amazing. So what's the thought process behind that at this point? You know, yeah. is it, I know, I know you've been talking a bit about private lending and stuff as well. So mm -hmm. is that sort of the focus is uh, maybe selling some of this off and, and uh, focusing more on the private lending side? 
Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. Like I only found out about private lending like a year ago. Like I always knew about it, but I never really thought about it as a strategy for me. And then when I did, I lent out like a hundred thousand to a close friend investor of mine. I was like, wow, this is really easy money. And I've just been grinding, grinding, grinding for the past 12 years. Right. And I'm trying to build more of a lifestyle business. That's kind of the direction of my brand and kind of, kind of what I've always believed in, but I'm in a position to finally do that. So essentially, once I got a taste of that uh, easier money and I had so much equity and, and wealth on the, on the rental side, I, th I thought like, let's start enjoying life finally, right? I've been grinding for so long. Let's sell some of this real estate and let's get some of that boring cash flow coming in so I can live my life so I can travel the world even more, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of what, how it all started. And then just snowball from there. And so Matt, just kind of talking about that, is that really just about like simplifying or hmm. like, were you finding that having the large portfolio of real estate, was that also like, was that more time consuming than you anticipated? Or is this just no, it turns out there was an even easier way to do it than what you originally thought? Yeah, a bit of both. So I had at the highest point, I had about 35 individual properties, some were multis, most single families, some duplexes, et cetera. But we had 35 properties with property management. So I didn't do any of that. So you would think it'd be easy, right? Well, it wasn't. <laughs> I had to do all the taxes. And when they had issues, I would just get slammed with, uh, hey, the toilet broke over here. Hey, the tenant's moving out. There's going to be a month empty and blah, 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 blah. So it was just a lot of over-management of the management company for the amount of money we were making. So because I was in single family mostly and smaller multifamily, you know, each property cash flowed a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, whatever. So I just thought, man, with like the private lending or the flipping, you know, I'm making thousands of dollars per month for literally sitting on the couch over here. I got to deal with crap and, <laughs> you know, all, all the stuff and for a very low amount of money. So I just thought, you know what? I did it for 12 years. I built the wealth side of my business. And by the way, I wouldn't change a thing. And I recommend exactly what I did for new people. You need to go through the stuff and build the wealth side of the business, the long-term rental side to get the money so that you can private land or, or do whatever you want to do. But I'm just, I'm just at a point in my career now where it's like, okay, I've made a lot of money on the net worth side. Let's start making that active money and, and, and some passive money too, real passive money. Gotcha. And so Matt, you kind of mentioned you'd always known about private lending, but you really just learned about it the last year. Do you mind yeah. more just expanding upon like what were some of the insights where you really had that flash? Like, was it all of a sudden you realized it was less risky or it was more rewarding or it was simpler to do than you originally thought? Yeah, I just I knew about it as as a person who would borrow. So I always knew about private lending, maybe as a flipper maybe as a buy and hold, you know, you get private funds to do the renovation, et cetera, et cetera. So, but I never really looked into it or thought about it as me being the lender. So once I did it with a friend, like I said, I gave him a hundred grand. It was 12% at that time. Very, very modest rate. And I was making a thousand bucks a month just off that 100 grand. I was like, Hey, wait a second. I have uh, several millions of dollars in my net worth. What if, what if I just sold, you know, all my stuff, let's say, and I had $2 million lent out in private lending and I calculated it and it was like, 25,000, 27,000 a month. I was like, holy crap, like that would be sweet. So that it just kind of started from there. So how do you recommend people structure private loans if they're looking to mm -hmm. uh, take that approach? Structure it as in like the agreement uh, or taxes or what do you well, mean? Well, so people hear private loans and go, I, I don't know what that means, right? Yeah, are you yeah. going through a mortgage broker? Are you going to work directly with people? Is it going to be unsecured, gotcha. secured, first, second position? Like what are, what are your thoughts about all that? 
Yeah, we talked about this for an hour, which I'm happy. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. uh, in, in a nutshell, I mean, you could lend through a, a broker. I do that as well. So the broker provides me with candidates who are looking for money, which is nice because I can look over their history with that broker. You know, it's more professional. It's more of like a binder approach, right? Or you could lend directly to an investor. So I have a number of investors that I know personally are great flippers. So I trust them. So I lend directly to them. And then in terms of like format, it could be a first mortgage, a second mortgage, or most often in private lending, it's going to be a promissory note. So there's no security on title. You're just, it's just a piece of paper that says, I promise to pay you, Matt. And if I don't, well, then you can sue me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and there is a lot to be said for social capital and reputation. So, I mean, if you know people and, you know, like it's, it means a lot to know who you're lending the money to. And if somebody does have issues paying you, like, you know, at least you know who they are and there's, they're not, they're not just going to disappear and ghost you, right? Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. And if they do happen to not pay you or default on a promissory note, it's not going to look good for their career, right? Yeah, exactly. And so when you're talking about, you know, private lending, of course, it's not something that we would have looked at from day one, because if you got a hundred grand and you just loaned it out, I mean, great, yeah. you, you make, you know, make a thousand bucks a month, but then exactly. you're done. So, so, you know, how do you recommend people start if they can't start with lend because they can't start mm-hmm. with lending? So like flipping, buy and hold, wholesaling, yeah. an active business, what do you, what do you think is a good way for people to approach that? Yeah. So I'm very strong thoughts on this. I really think the majority of people, if not all should hundred percent start with long-term rentals. That's the bread and butter. And that's where you're going to learn the foundational skills. So for example, if you buy a single family home, let's say as a little boring rental and you happen to overpay, maybe you over renovate, you know, basically you make a mistake. No big deal. You just hold on to that property for maybe two or three years longer than you thought you would. Or if you're in this market right now, you hold it for two more months than you, right? So (laughs) you'll make, basically you'll make up the mistake. You're not going to go bankrupt. Most likely, like you're not going to lose your shirt. Big deal. You made a mistake. If you're a newbie and you do a flip as your first property and you know really nothing about renovations, scheduling contractors, and you make a mistake on a flip, you're probably going to lose. And if you lose 20K, 30K, 40K on your first deal, you're never going to do it again. You're going to say, see, I knew real estate wasn't going to work. I knew it was bull crap, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm a big believer in starting with the slow, steady, long-term rentals, gain your skills, learn how to deal with tenants, learn how to deal with shitty contractors, get thicker skin. And then when you do the flips, maybe in year five, six, seven of your career, you're more ready to take on that challenge. Awesome. Really appreciate you breaking that down for us, Matt. So it seems like a couple of times now we've talked about sometimes something may not be right, but then it eventually is right. So yeah. I'd love to hear, you know, last time we had you on the show, the goal was 20,000 a month yeah. in passive income. Yeah. Love just to hear how has that <laughs> evolved? How has that changed? And uh, I think we've actually got like the exact quote or something like it. <laughs> 20,000 a month in passive income through rental properties. At the time you had 11 properties and you yeah. know you were planning on continuing to build up through JV partnerships. Yeah. So Wow. Very cool for you to bring that up cuz that's making me smile cuz that's it's great to look <laughs> to look back on your, you know, what you said in the past and then you know, you just kind of evolve. So basically the, the goals always change. I remember when I first met you Matt, my goal was 10,000 a month. Yeah, I was it was. Always, I was always saying yeah. when I get 10,000, man, I'm out of here. I'm going to Costa Rica, right? Well, <laughs> goals change. Like right now with the private lending, I'll just be transparent. You know, we're making about 25,000 a month just from private lending interest a month. And then 
with all the other income streams we have, flipping houses, core sales, realtor income, coaching. Okay, so we're making way more than the 20,000. So goals change, that's good. But at least at this point, you know, we have options. Like, let's say I'm just, I'm just tired of it all. I'm, it's time to retire. I can, I can do that whenever I want. So it's great to have goals that can change and, and evolve, but it's also a great feeling that, you know, you can fall back whenever and just, just throw your hands up and quit basically. <laughs> well, and Matt's actually talked about this for a while now, uh, the idea of firepreneurship and just like, you know, you, you reach financial independence, you have that monthly income, you have that foundation to fall back upon. Now you can kind of mess around, right? You can try yeah. new things. You know, you have that income from this business and now you could try a new business. And if that one fails, or even if you lose a hundred grand on it, you're, you're still okay because you, but you were able to take that chance and something you're not really able to do if you know, most people running businesses don't have that luxury. So, you know, they need to maybe run a business in a way that they didn't want to, or they need to make money in ways they didn't yes. want to. Whereas, yeah, if you, if you have financial independence, you can take bigger risks, right? Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, with the reason why I do private lending, really, I mean, option B is, okay, I can retire tomorrow if I want to and live an amazing life. That's great. But for right now, the real reason why I do private lending is so I can grow the flip side of the business faster than maybe some of the competitors in my local market who don't have the budget to spend on marketing or don't have the budget to hire employees. You know, the whole 25 grand pretty much from the private lending a month just goes right back into the business, the employees, the contractors who are now employees. We started a renovation business in-house. The marketing, like I drain that whole 25K a month just on the operation of the business. But you know, that business makes me, you know, on average between 100 and 150 grand a month. So is it worth it? Well, yes. Right. So that's why we use the money. There's so many things you can do. So, so just what you're saying, like you have options to, to grow your business or not grow your business, which is a great feeling. Yeah. And that, that's super neat how your money can actually, you know, generate that income, which can pay employees. And those employees, if you have the right structure set up, mm -hmm. can earn far more than what you're paying them. And a lot of this can kind of be done without your input necessarily, right? Yeah. So how has it looked in terms of, you know, trying to step out of working in your business and more working on it and, uh, you know, uh, outsourcing more things to people or insourcing or however you're structuring it, you know, mm -hmm. how has that process looked for you? Yeah, it's been a very smooth process and one that I wish I would have done a long time ago. So like when you're starting off, you think like, I can't afford to get an employee. I can't, you know, you can't pay them. I would really urge people to find a way to get, get at least one, like an assistant, maybe part-time. But in these past three months, so since the 1st of January this year, I've totally blown up the amount of employees we have who do more things, which is just been like a total game changer for my personal life. So like I said, I've just been grinding for like 12 years now, solid. And only recently, I'm really stepping out of, of the day-to-day -day business and the whole team runs everything. Like my only responsibility nowadays really is to make videos, do social media stuff like this with you guys, just grow the awareness, the brand and raise money. Like that's all I do now. I don't look at properties anymore. I don't know what properties we're buying. My acquisition guy calls me up, you know, every couple of days, Hey, we just bought this house. Great. I didn't even know about it. Like that's kind of what we're building here, which is amazing. Awesome. And so I'd love to hear, Matt, you know, exactly how are you spending your days? How structured mm -hmm. is that? And how are you dividing the time amongst the uh, different areas, whether it's like social media, YouTube, mm -hmm. the flipping, all that? Yeah, right now, it's not really too structured as it should be. Only because like, I'm, I'm just recently starting to learn how to live a life <laughs> as a CEO, but like not in the day to day. So 
a lot of times lately, I'm like, man, what should I do right now? Right. <laughs> I have so much time on my hands. So I'm just learning like how to navigate that. But it's also, I'm taking this time as like a kind of like a healing or just like relaxing time. Cause I know in the next month or so, or, you know, I'll be pushing hard again as always, but yeah, it's been an interesting unstructured, you know, retirement life kind of thing, which I know a lot of people I talk to who kind of do this feel the same. Like there's very little structure, <laughs> but that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. I feel similarly, at least the business I run is very lean. I mean, mm -hmm. I have, I have my investment properties that I solely own and then I have coaching, which is basically just me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and even then, I mean, it's still like, what do I spend my day on? Right. And yeah. I like to feel productive. So, you know, it's sure. a, it's a Tuesday at 10, 10 AM. And it's like, what do I, what should I work on right now? Right. <laughs> I have a list of things and you got to just try and prioritize and figure it out. But yeah, you know, you've got, you've got a bunch of different businesses going on at the same time. So, yes. you know, like you had, you like, you've got a ton of construction going on. You've got the social media and YouTube, you've got the wholesaling and flipping. Like, how do you, like, how do you jump and jump around back and forth between those? How do you prioritize which ones make sense to work on? And like, yeah. how often do you check in on people? Yeah, it's been yeah very different. Yeah, I guess like most of my day, just when you said that, is mostly checking in on the employees. How are the projects going? What do you need? It's more of that, just kind of checking in and, and me staying in the loop of what's going on. Because at any given time, we have about six to eight flips on the go, usually at all times. So there's a lot going on, a lot of responsibility to like raise the money, like I said, which is my main focus. So yeah, I'm just kind of checking in on my project manager, on my funds manager, who, who he's the one who raises the money and locks in the contracts and speaking to the social media guy. So yeah, it's very interesting. we got a lot of balls in the air, but the team is really awesome. Like they, they're really good. So like that they take care of everything. Like I said, I'm just checking in on the overall hot topics basically. And so Matt, how have you gone about building that team? And is mm -hmm. this like a team of external contractors or is this an internal team of employees? Yeah, it's an internal team of employees. So Funny enough, how I got, I think like almost every single employee in the business was from Instagram and social media. <laughs> so like whenever I post, you know, Hey, I'm looking for a project manager. Hey, I'm looking for a social media person, whatever people who follow me and follow the brand are like, Oh man, like I would love to work with Matt. Here's my resume. Here's my video resume. So it just speaks again to, you know, we use social media and me specifically, my main focus is to raise money, build the business, but it's also amazing to attract good employees for you. So yeah, very cool how we kind of built it out. Well, you know, business culture is something that I know you guys are probably quite passionate about. I know Matt, mm -hmm. I know uh, McKeever is, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and I know you clearly are as well. So like, you know, the idea that you can attract employees by making an Instagram post is awesome. And I know, you know, Delivering Happiness, the book uh, about the Zappos uh, CEO. Have you happened to read that book by chance? Um, I don't think I've read that one, no. Okay. Like, so I, McKeever originally was the one who got me on to the idea and it's definitely something you would enjoy. It's all about Zappos and the CEO and how they, how they built a company culture. I think that inadvertently you've been doing that, right? Like your posts are about, you know, the lifestyle business and, and, you know, you have your more than money Mondays and, and yeah. things like that. And so, you know, you, you're building that culture and, you know, this is why I imagine why you enjoy, you know, your team and you enjoy working with them is because yeah. they, they follow along with you. They like the vibe you're putting out and then, you know, they get to become part of it. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like the employees we have aren't just people looking for like a job or like a paycheck. Like they truly love what we're doing. They don't have to work for me. They can get a job anywhere else kind of thing, right? Like they're very skilled, but they're like, no, like I align with what you're saying. I like the vibe. I want to be part of this team. Please let me be in. Right. Which is awesome. 
Yeah, really appreciate you sharing that perspective. And one other thing I just want to add on there that I think like, obviously, Matt, both you and I are to a degree doing that just through our social media and constantly Mm -hmm. sharing our story. But the one thing that uh, delivering happiness really highlighted for me was how intentional Tony Shea, the CEO of Zappos was Mm -hmm. um, when it came to trying to pre-indoctrinate eventual employees. So they actually kind of viewed it as they had like a four-year pre-indoctrination sequence. And once I kind of like, they don't go super deep into it, but I've spent some additional time reading it outside of the book. And yeah, just this fascinating concept of like, it really wouldn't take much more for you or I to like set up one or two little systems. And all of a sudden, like, you know, when you're talking about stuff, you can now loop back more often, right? And that constantly having that hiring page on your website and just that constant breadcrumb trail so that talent can always find its way into our ecosystem. Yeah, yeah interesting. That and Ben Horowitz's uh, What You Do is Who You Are and The Hard yeah. Thing About Hard Things. All three of those <laughs> books on culture are just mint. Yeah, awesome. I'll have to read those. So what is the plan now with, you know, like all of these businesses and like juggling all this stuff, what's kind of the plan over the next maybe five years or something like that? You know, do you see yourself stepping further and further towards like the, you know, out of, out of these roles and having more people handle this stuff? Do you want, do you want these businesses to be running for the next five, 10 years? Or, you know, do you have a plan Mm -hmm. long-term at this stage? Yeah. You know, I've, I was always super huge into like 10 year goals, five year goals, but right now it's a, it's more like yearly. <laughs> so, cause we have the opportunity to retire literally at any time. So it's becoming more of like, okay, I already smashed my goals. You know, what can we, let's just do this for another year and then we'll reevaluate and then et cetera, et cetera. But for the short term, I want to just keep building out the flipping business right now. We're doing about 20, 25 flips a year at this point. Maybe we'll, you know, let's push that to 30, 40, you know, kind of take it in that direction. And then the second thing is just hiring all the employees to the point where like, I'm just doing very little of the day to day, which I would say where we just already kind of achieved that. It's just more fine tuning at this point. And then, yeah, let's just keep rocking until I say, that's it, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I like that. I like that perspective because that's a big part of what a lifestyle business is. I think is that, you know, you could step out at some point and, yeah. uh, and be okay. Right. Like, you have some flexibility built into the business as well. So I think that's really great. You know, and, and you know, three years ago when we did the last episode with you, one of your big goals was retiring to Costa Rica. So, yes. you know, is Costa Rica still your destination of choice? And, and you know, do you have a plan, yeah. you know, like short term or long term to, uh, to be doing that move? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the plan now, even more than ever with what's going on in the world right now. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like, literally, I'm just planning my escape from Canada. I'll just leave that conversation. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that for, because we don't want to go too deep into that. But yeah, I'm definitely even more so planning the escape and <laughs> just living in Costa Rica. The goal now is six months a year, right? During the winters, we'll go there. Maybe we'll do 12 months a year. We'll see how that goes. But we're definitely going towards that direction. And then just to loop back how Matt brought up that my goal was 20000 a month uh, passive. Funny note, just how, of how goals change. You know, my goal now is a hundred thousand a month passive from private lending. So that's kind of my big carrot in front of me kind of thing is let's keep going until I have a hundred thousand a month passive, which means I need about seven, $8 million cash lent out. That's the goal. Awesome. Well, it's amazing to see how you've grown, how your businesses have grown, as well as how your goals have grown over the last five years, Matt. And even just the last three years, since we had you on the podcast, Mm-hmm. You know, if you were to jump in that time machine and talk to <laughs> 19, 20 year old Matt, 
what do you think are the like the biggest lessons or the biggest insights that you could really give him to make sure he followed your path? I would have said get into finding motivated seller leads or wholesaling faster because that was always my that's the entire reason why I got into real estate at the age of 18 was wholesaling. Now, I didn't know it was called wholesaling. I just thought of it as flipping houses, getting good deals and flipping them. But that's the whole reason why I started all of this at the age of 18. So I would have said, man, double down on that and hire an acquisition manager. You don't have to pay them because you pay them on commission. So if they don't, if they don't provide results, that you don't pay them. If they do results, then you pay them based on the results that you got. So it's like a foolproof system. So I would have said, dude, hire an acquisition manager ASAP and double down. Let's go. <laughs> I love that. All right. So we're going to jump into the fire four. We ask the same four questions to all of our guests. And one of the first ones is, what are you grateful for? Whew. Grateful for the team members we have and just being able to grow a business finally that I've always kind of dreamt about of not being so much in the day-to-day stuff. I can just build an actual business, which is a great feeling. Awesome. And switching gears into question number two, what's a guilty pleasure or something you can't live without? Oh man. I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure or not. I I just, I need sun, dude. I can't, I can't stand any more winters. Like I got to get out of here. So I don't know <laughs> if that's a guilty pleasure or not, but I need some sun and I need tropical islands, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I don't think you're alone in that. Yeah. And then what is a, is there, do you have any frugality tips or life hacks or maybe time-saving tips that you'd want to share with the listeners? Yeah, I would just be extremely lean and even cheap if, if you want to call yourself that. That's just like how I built everything. Um, very, very lean and just watching all the expenses as you're growing, especially at the beginning. And even now, like I say, we have all these employees. Dude, I'm so picky on like not overspending every single project or everything we do must make money or else I feel like a piece of crap. So like I'm super lean and cheap. And I think that's just the key to being financially independent, man. Like you just have to be. Awesome. And question number four, what would the hero of your own movie do right now in your life? Oh man, I don't even understand that question. It's too deep. What <laughs> so, do you mean? <laughs> Matt, if, if your movie was, or if your life was a movie yeah. and you're watching it there right now and you know, you're wishing, or you know that the hero of the movie needs to do this thing, but they're hesitating. Maybe they haven't yeah, made yeah, the yeah. great leap into the unknown yet. Honestly, the direction for me and like the hero of me, my best self, I guess is what you're calling it would be like, I'm here to lead people. Like I'm here to show by example. Like that's the whole thing of the fruitful life, more than money Mondays. I want to show that you can build a great business, make a shit ton of money, but also be conscious about, you know, your lifestyle and your health. And the hero of me would be leading and showing people. And I, I think I have to triple down on that very soon. That's great. I, lo- I love that answer. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Matt. And before we wrap up, we always like to get our guests to ask the audience a question. So do you have a question that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah. Biggest question is, who are you and what do you want? Like, I think a lot of people don't ask themselves that question because it's too intense, too deep. Maybe it's too frilly willy or whatever you want to call it, too hippie. But understand what the answer to that question is and then build your business and your life around that answer. So for example, like if you, if you don't like to be in the hustle and bustle, if you don't want to be living in Toronto or New York City or whatever, like what are you going to do to escape that city? How are you going to build this business to align with your values? Awesome. Well, again, really appreciate all this, Matt. And if people want to follow along with you on your journey, if they want maybe you to uh, help inspire them, where can they do so? Yeah. Best places on YouTube. Just type in fruitful investor on YouTube. You'll find me. All right. Thanks again, Matt. Yeah. Thanks for setting aside the time to jump on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks guys. 
Well, it was great hearing from Matt again. Always love catching up with the fruitful investor. And it's great to see that as time goes on, his goals and ambitions grow as well. I know that that's something he and I regularly talk about. And again, I find it inspiring. And it's just one of those things where you need these people around you to keep compelling you further, to keep taking those bigger jumps and those greater risks. Yeah, it's actually one of my favorite things when we can get a guest back on after a few years like this. It's pretty neat to see how his goals have changed. You know, he, you know, when we originally brought him on, he had 11 properties. He wanted to get to the 20,000 a month. You know, he's beyond that. He's moved, the goalpost has moved. It's just really exciting to see. And maybe we'll have to bring him back on in a, in a few years and see when the goals change again in the future. And while you're waiting for the next episode, jump over to our Facebook group, London On Fire Community, and follow us on Instagram at On Fire Podcast. And make sure to tune in to the next On Fire podcast to meet more people, hear their stories, and learn from their mistakes. And while you're waiting for the next episode, jump over, leave us that five-star rating and written review. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. This is Matt. And Kellen, signing off. And until next episode, remember, being normal, buying stuff doesn't make you happy, and always remember what Jim Rohn said. We all have two choices. We can make a living, or we can design a life. 